Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but not always the substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Thanks for checking it out. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah, we could almost throw out that disclaimer this week because uh, I have a returning guest this week for Mental Health Monday. He was back on episode 30. He is Drew Dyerson. He has a Master of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling from Marquette University. He's a licensed professional counselor. He's a board-certified telemental health provider, and he's a nationally certified counselor. His area of specialty, PTSD and anxiety which I'm sure all of us have dealt with anxiety at some form in the past year. And a lot of people have been through some trauma, and PTSD also affects a lot of people. Drew deals with both, and his practice, Pod Health, the website podhealthllc.com. And this is going to sound a little bit different because I pulled the audio from a Facebook Live that we did, so if it sounds a little bit different, that's why. If you want to see the video and you want to do that, you can go to my Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Radio, or you can just keep listening. That's fine, too. Drew Dyerson. So tell me a little bit about what you do with Pod Health. So Pod Health is a mental health counseling practice that I put together, started it at the beginning of this year. And Pod Health is really focusing in on combining counseling and exercise and getting the best out of both of those and how they work together. You specialize in PTSD and anxiety, correct? That's kind of your yeah. your wheelhouse. What got you interested in that being your spec- <laughs> you specified <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is uh, quite the journey. The uh, I guess to put it kind of briefly, started off really not knowing anything about mental health uh, till like college. And so college was kind of a up and down journey too. I went to a college out in California for a year and uh, I might be <laughs> giving some secrets here to my family, but skipped class all the time. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up, I like telling this story too, because it, I think it helps a lot of people sometimes, especially clients where I pretty much failed out of college. I had a 0.8 GPA <laughs> my <laughs> freshman year. Uh, so then I got a, got a second chance at college and started taking some psychology classes. Really, I really give a lot of credit to my mentors to kind of pull me in this direction. 
yeah. uh, Dr. Matt Krug from Wisconsin Movement College, and then uh, Dr. Chad Wetternack, who works at Rogers. Uh, they really, I really just kind of gravitated towards those two men, and mm-hmm. really from there, you know, started my counseling career. And I always wanted to be a coach growing up, so I had a professor at Marquette tell me, "Well, being a therapist, you're kind of just." coach but it's you're not doing games this is real life uh so that was like oh okay i'm set nice you were a quarterback too weren't you did you play yeah football? college yeah. ball yeah i played some college football right i googled you it came up i was like oh yeah. wow <laughs> nice it was a quarterback cool um <laughs> well let's kind of get into the conversation uh ptsd and anxiety two pretty big ones a lot of people deal with anxiety and it's been a anxiety riddled year for a lot of people so much uncertainty what's happening Am I going to get sick uh, or my, is my family going to get sick? There's so much to worry about. What's going on politically? Um, you have something on your website I wrote about. It's, it's called cognitive diffusion. Hmm. I think it's very interesting. It's a great way of dealing with anxiety. So can you explain a little bit about what cognitive diffusion is and how we can do yeah. that? Yeah. Cognitive diffusion is probably my favorite thing to talk about because when I learned about it, it blew my mind. So I feel like I can bring that same level of like, aha moment to other people. Uh, Cognitive diffusion comes from the acceptance and commitment therapy realm, um, which is basically just a form of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. And diffusion, uh, we usually just call it diffusion for short, uh, basically is learning how to step back from your thoughts to watch them unfold. Kind of like, you know, you watch cars driving by or clouds floating by in the sky. And it creates, we're trying to create this distance between us and our mind. And we know that, you know, science has shown 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts every day. That's, that's the average human mind. Yeah, 60,000 to 80,000. So if you try to sit there and control all of those thoughts, it would take up all your time. You wouldn't have time for anything else. And even if you did, you probably wouldn't be too successful at that. So rather than trying to control thoughts or like say, I I don't think about that thought, that's a bad thought, let's just let all of the thoughts happen and then create space from them. And the ones that are helpful, you can keep closer to you. And the ones that aren't helpful, practicing some acceptance and creating that diffusion of that distance. Um, so do, is it good to hold on to the unhelpful ones or what do you do with the unhelpful ones? Cause there's so, I, I'm willing to bet that there are more unhelpful thoughts than there are helpful thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that, that's the tricky thing here with diffusion. We're not trying to push anything away. And the way I like to talk about it is kind of like avoidance is enemy number one. If you ever find yourself trying to avoid something, then acceptance and commitment therapy would kind of bring us into like, well, let's actually, let's lean into that a little bit more. Yeah. And so diffusion is not about pushing thoughts away or stopping thoughts from happening. It's just creating some space for you so that you can do what's important to you. So you can do what matters. Yeah. Are there some common triggers that you see with your clients that kind of spark like it's people in anxiety spirals and what are some things that some people can do to kind of control those triggers or be aware of them, I guess you could say Mm -hmm. and manage them. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of people and this is usually one that they kind of miss when we're dealing with anxiety, the body 
like trains itself, it gets into these habits where something triggers that and our body has the same response every time. So a lot of what I'm doing in counseling is bringing awareness to that. Like, hey, you feeling anxious right now? How's your body feeling? How's your body reacting? Because a lot of times what happens is people won't really even notice the trigger, but they'll notice their body reaction and then they'll get anxious because their body is feeling that way. Uh, so we spend a lot of time like feeling the heart rate, feeling the sweat. Like a lot of times I'm just sitting there with people as they're experiencing anxiety and kind of letting it go through that anxiety wave. Nice. Um, I think one of the big things of anxiety and myself, I kind of suffer from this is being a people pleaser always worried about what other people think all the time. Are there some tips you can give to the people pleasers out there that have a lot of issues with this? Yeah, yeah. When I was thinking about this question, I really, I viewed it from this PTSD trauma lens and that people pleaser, we, we call that a schema. And basically a schema is a framework that has been set up for how you interpret the world, how you organize and filter information that can cause a lot of problems if your filter is set in a bad way or in an unhelpful way. Yeah, I hate to say bad. I don't wanna <laughs> judge right. things good or bad. Uh, right. Yeah, but this filter that we have, this schema is set up in, a, in an unhelpful way. And even to the point where if there's something that challenges that schema, if schemas are strong enough, it'll just crush it or just ignore it. And so this people pleaser schema comes up a lot with, especially in trauma, because we they're trying to avoid something. A lot of clients are trying to avoid feeling vulnerable, trying to avoid feeling any sense of danger. So if you please all the people around you, therefore you feel safer. It, that gets you into a lot of hairy situations where you can't please everybody. Right. Um, so yeah, that people pleaser one really comes up a lot with the trauma. That one, I really like to go back to cognitive diffusion with. Um, and I don't know how much time we have. We could do a little exercise here if you're up for it. Yeah. To, yeah. All right. So by the way, to, have, uh, people are typing in questions. I see them. We'll get to those very soon. So don't think I'm ignoring them. We'll get to those uh, momentarily. Nikki and Abigail, Mandy and Nicole, they've got some questions. So we'll get to those in a second. Great. All righty. So you're going to be, we're going to do this together. And because okay. if I do it alone, it'll just sound really dumb. Okay. To, to really feel what cognitive diffusion feels like. There, it's like over 100 years old now. I forget the, the psychologist who came up with it basically repeating a word over and over and over till it loses its meaning. That's what we're doing. I've done this before just to be goofy. <laughs> yeah. And there is a goofiness to it. And so when these things, the opposite of diffusion is fusion. So these things get connected pretty tightly. And so what, all we're trying to do is just kind of pull them apart just a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'd like you to think about a nice cold cup of milk. Got it. Get that picture in your mind, you know, what milk tastes like, yeah. smells like. If you like it, you probably like, oh, that sounds good. If you hate it, it's like, ugh, gross. Love milk. Yeah. So you get all of those physical feelings. That's all part of the fusion, just like anxiety causes reaction in the body, fusion there. Mm -hmm. Now, what we're going to do is repeat milk out loud for 30 seconds. 30 seconds? 30 seconds. We're going to go milk as loud, not as loud, but loud and as fast as you can for 30 seconds. We can right. probably just go 20 just to get the feeling of it, though. Okay, cool. I'll start right now. Milk. Yeah. 
milk, 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 and before, right before we started that, Milk brought up this crystal clear image. This is what Milk is. And then we did that and it just kind of like faded off in the distance a little bit. Yeah. That's what diffusion is. The milk is still there, but we have some space from it. And, right. and there's not it, a much of an emotional connection to it either. Yeah, yeah. And even if for one second you laugh at like, what am I doing here? I'm repeating Milk out loud. <laughs> It just that's that little bit of gap that we're trying to create there with diffusion like and you put in a people pleaser type of thought where you know if you're trying to make everybody happy and you do something that makes somebody upset you might think oh i'm stupid you can repeat stupid 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 until it starts to fade off in the distance and there's it doesn't have that much power that weight over you yeah I like that. That's a great exercise. Um, so pod health, you obviously you focus, you say two peas in a pod, mental health and physical health, which I love, which is very true. Now, what kind of exercises are good for anxiety or like that trauma? And does it need to be like overly exerting exercise? Like do we need to throw around weights or start training for Ironman competitions? And can you kind of talk about the, the relationship between the two? What's good for it? Yeah. So right now, the the research that's out there and this is some of the research that i want to build on top of as well right now we know that it's about 65 percent of your max heart rate so for me uh, to calculate your max heart rate range you take 220 minus your age and so then we want 65 percent of that number um, so for me that's like 125 uh, beats per minute and doing that for about 12 minutes 12 to 30 is kind of what is out there right now i've been doing a lot of 12 minute you know quick go for a brief moderate exercise kind of walk in sessions with people yeah. and we're i'm really seeing the the cognitive enhancements of that quick short exercise um yeah so about 12 minutes has been working wonders right now a second study that i would that really kind of brought this all together in my mind a couple of years ago, I was reading about the um, depression and there's there's been a lot of research on exercise and depression. One really showed 30 minutes of walking on a treadmill for 10 days, decreased depression scores, the same if not more than antidepressant medication. Wow. And to me, working in a hospital setting, I was like, that's gold. That is helping people without the side effects of medication. And yeah, some people need medication, like everybody's a little different. And this was more in the, the moderate depression range. So severe depression is a different game, but that moderate range of depression for 10 days, like that's a really quick turnaround for a lot of people. Wow. Um, let's transfer over to some PTSD discussion because that's another one of your kind of your specialties. Aside from the general PTSD that everybody thinks of, like, you know, veterans coming back from war, uh, first responders, uh, people that are involved in car accidents. Are there other types of PTSD that people can maybe experience or be experiencing and not know it if they haven't experienced something huge? Are there small things that can cause PTSD? 
Absolutely. You know, when it comes to mind, you think of those big things like especially war and things like that. But for honestly, the PTSD that I see and the traumas that I see are not anything like that. Um, yeah, you get the car accidents and things like that, but really, and I wanted to make sure I get the wording right. So I had to write this down because this comes straight from the, the DSM the, for diagnosing. Anything that is either directly experienced or witnessed or occurs to somebody that you're close with or that you love, um, anything threatened of death, violence, accidental injury. So a lot of these things can get missed. Assault survivors and probably victims of rape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even recently with COVID, the amount of nurses that I've seen has gone up too, because they are also suffering from some PTSD where they were exposed because of their work to these potentially deathly, potentially deathly virus. And that's a clear, like, hey, that's a criterion one trauma right there. Well, my mom works in healthcare and she's had, to, I can't tell you how many times she's had to hold someone's hand while they're dying because their family can't be there. Yeah. That'd be traumatic. Just watching yeah. someone else die when yeah. their family can't be there. Mm-hmm. And so, I would even, I would add to that too, just from a personal experience, you know, the, the events of my son being born were pretty traumatic. And I would, I don't know if I would have diagnosed myself with PTSD, but I definitely experienced trauma because of somebody close to me that almost didn't survive. Yeah. So you're a therapist, a counselor, you obviously, you know, help a lot of people and you're giving a lot. And you just mentioned there, you may have had some trauma yourself. So what do you do to kind of make sure that you maintain your own personal mental health and you can kind of maintain that compassion resilience, I think what they call it, Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, being able to care and help for others while not neglecting yourself entirely. So how do you do that as a therapist? This, this one, there was a a clear moment that I remember having a change of change of heart and a change of mindset on this. I, when I learned that LeBron James spends a million dollars taking care of his body every year, that was like, why, why can't I spend five minutes washing my face? <laughs> why can't I spend, you know, 15 minutes doing something that's going to help me feel better mentally, emotionally. Um, so that like self-care really, I've really come to understand the importance of that lately. And so a lot of the little things, washing my face, like I said, brushing my teeth, taking a shower, getting good sleep, those might seem you know, too ordinary for self-care, but those are the building blocks of it. Um, And then from there, I, as best as I can, practice what I preach. Anything that I'm sharing in a therapy session, I've probably used it for my own mental health, uh, including the exercise, including the cognitive diffusion that we work through. Uh, That's why when I say like, when I learned about diffusion, it blew my mind because from that moment on, I had a different relationship with my own mental health. Nice. Cool. Well, I wanted to uh, pop into some questions we had here from people. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we had two questions from earlier, and then we got a couple in the comments here. The first one I'll throw up right now is Drew accepting new patients. Yes, currently am. I Right now, um, I have a couple of the bigger insurance companies. I'm contracted with them, uh, working on a couple more. The... Availability right now. I have in-person sessions up in the Cedarburg area on Tuesdays and soon to be Thursdays. And then I also have virtual appointments uh, Monday through Friday. 
Cool. And what's your website for people in case they want to know? Yeah, you can go to podhealthllc.com. Podhealthllc.com. Cool. Uh, this question was some, uh, from somebody earlier. I don't remember her name. I should have written it down, but I didn't. She says, I suffer from anxiety and depression. I find at times I feel very unmotivated and I don't feel like doing anything. And I blame myself thinking that I'm lazy. What causes this? And what are some ways to push through those feelings? When I hear this come up in sessions, a lot of times people will attach that self-sabotage wording to it. And I, I truly believe that there is no such thing, well, not no such thing, self-sabotage is actually really, really rare. But what really is happening, and to answer this question a little bit more specifically, I feel like there's a gap that's happening there. So you know where you want to be and you recognize where you are. So there's this gap that's been created. And when we don't just automatically do the thing that we know we're supposed to do, that's when we say, well, I'm self-sabotaging or I'm a failure or something like that. What really is happening though, when we look at it from a counseling lens, from a cognitive behavioral therapy lens is the path to get there isn't clear enough or the steps aren't small enough. And and then committing to doing those really tiny steps to get to where you want to be. And I go back to my early training at Rogers. One of my first clients, we literally like her part of her depression was I can't clean my house and I know I need to. I literally had to break that down with her to, okay, Tuesday, you have to take the vacuum out of the closet. That's it. That's all you have to do. And really like we break it down that small because otherwise when the, the steps are too big, depression makes those things feel so, so much harder than they used to be or than you want them to be. Yeah. I, I, um, I think I commented to this woman and I suggested also making little lists of things that you do <laughs> and then crossing them off because nothing feels yeah. better than crossing something off a list, knowing that you've done it because it's done. You get this sense of accomplishment. You're like, oh my God, I did even four things. Like I took the vacuum out. I took a bath. I took the dog for a walk. I brushed my teeth. Check those things off of a list. Like I think that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all of that's backed by research too, which is what I love. <laughs> uh, another question we had, somebody said, I'm currently a hairdresser and a college student studying to become a therapist who specializes in PTSD. Right up your alley. They want to know what's the best approach to take when someone that you know comes to you about a major trauma that they've faced. She said, sometimes I feel like just saying I'm sorry and feel like I'm not saying enough. What can I do? I read this one in the comments ahead of time. And I, I really wanted to reach out to this person and say, there's a reason people are coming to you. So maybe becoming a therapist is the right role. Because clearly there's some qualities and characteristics about you that make you a safe person to go to to share these things. Um, so you really have that. So she really has that going for yeah. yeah, hairdressers are always therapists anyways. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and from there, you know, you have the core characteristics or ability. You just have that it factor that is helpful. Then is kind of this releasing yourself from responsibility. And this was a, this was tough for me. And this is again like going through grad school, having to kind of do some self-reflection about when I go into these situations, it's not my job to fix somebody. It's not my job to, at the start of the session, from from start to the finish, like cure them and make them happy. 
It's about being with them deeply through the process. And that it takes a little bit of time. If these are people that you know that are coming up to you, you can use what you know about them to help. And really, you're just really building up a deep empathy with them. And there's a an illustration that one of my professors put up on the board one day. And he drew this picture of a, of a well. And, you know, at the bottom of a well, pretty mucky, dark, scary, kind of gross. He said, the people that you meet with, a lot of times they're going to be at the bottom of their own well. And your job as a therapist is not to go down there and live with them, but you go down with them when you're meeting with them, but you have a, a safety rope attached to you that you can pull on and get yourself out of when you need to. And I think that that kind of resonated with me when I read that comment about going down into the depths with them. There's not necessarily the perfect thing to say, but just being there and then going back and visiting them, like checking on them, checking on them randomly. Hey, how you doing? Just thinking about you today. That those actions go a lot further than any one thing you could say. Following up with is such a huge thing. I've had friends yeah. lost loved ones and they've reached out to me just for some grief support and, uh, you know, an mm-hmm. eager to talk to. And I circle back with them a week or, a week or so later. Hey, is everything all right? How are you doing? How are you feeling? And they've always said they love that because you don't forget about them, you know, because some people think, oh, you just talked to me now. You don't want to deal with me anymore because I'm a burden mm-hmm. to you. But reaching back out and saying, hey, is everything all right? That's really great. I like that you said that. Mm-hmm. We do have a couple questions from the comments from Mandy. Mandy says, I have complex PTSD and anxiety. There Are there any techniques besides breathing that I can do to deal with my triggers? Thank you in advance. Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, wow, let's see. My gut says, hey, let's do some uh, cognitive diffusion work. Really, I, you know, Complex PTSD is is a beast. And so thank you for being open and sharing that, by the way. I that's usually why I say, hey, let's let's get into some therapy. Let's let's find a counselor for you, because while this is a great platform, this that might be a little bit deeper than where we can go now. Sure. What is complex PTSD? How does that differ from regular PTSD? Yeah, complex PTSD, usually we think about like repeated traumas or multiple traumas, uh, including uh, anything related with childhood trauma. Usually that kind of gets flagged as the complex trauma. Yeah. We got another question from Nicole wondering about kids. Wondering if you have any suggestions for 13-year-old or kids with high anxiety, but they aren't comfortable taking medication. Okay. My my view on anxiety is it's a it's a problem with mental context. And to describe that a little bit more, our minds have the ability to, you know, wander off into the future or remember the past, but our bodies are eternally stuck here in the present moment. And so when our minds are going to the future or when our minds are going to the past, it's creating this tension or this friction. And our body is feeling all of that stuff right now in the present moment as if it was happening again. And we see that with PTSD. If there's a kid that's really struggling with anxiety, first, it would be a lot of understanding, like, where where is their mind? Are they thinking about the future and worrying about upcoming things? Are they having memories or thoughts about the past that are causing some problems? 
and a lot of mindfulness training, which is a lot. I do that with pretty much every client that I see. We practice training up this mindfulness. And that that goes a long way as kind of that first baseline technique that I would use for anxiety. And then you can throw on top of that mindful breathing. That's a great add-on to just kind of general mindfulness training. Nice. Well, thank you, everybody, for the questions. That's what we have from the questions. And I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy dude, but you're doing good work. And um, pot health, hello. Thank you. Pod Health LLC is the website. Uh, you are accepting new patients and you specialize again in uh, PTSD and anxiety. Uh, Drew Dyerson, thank you so much for your time again. You're uh, you're a great. I love when men are talking about mental health. You know me. I love men mm -hmm. mental health. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I do really want to give a shout out to my wife. She has helped me she's freed me up to go chase after this thing that I'm so passionate about. I mean, she's inside right now with our little two-year-old running around. So thank you, Kate. I love you. Behind every successful man is a very passionate, <laughs> dedicated woman. <laughs> yes, I can fully agree. And vice versa too. So thank you so much, Drew. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. You can find out more about Drew. He is accepting new patients. Go to podhealthllc.com. Thanks again for listening to another Mental Health Monday. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, your weekend, your night, your day, whatever it is you happen to be doing. But remember, always, always make good life decisions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.